support for WERU comes from our listeners and from the Maine Community Foundation, working with donors and other partners to improve the quality of life for all Maine people on the web at maincf.org. It's just a few seconds before 10 o'clock, and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, and streaming online at WERU.org. Talk of the Towns with your host, Ron Beard, is up next. Good morning and welcome to Talk of the Towns here on WERU. We try to go beyond the headlines to make sense of the issues facing Maine communities to share what works to seek alternative solutions. Talk of the Towns began in 1993 with support from University of Maine Cooperative Extension. Cooperative Extension puts knowledge to work with the people of Maine and like WERU, whose mission is to be a voice of many voices, operates out of a sense that everyone benefits when we share our knowledge, our experience, our concerns, our perspectives. We're about to practice the magic of community radio, in which those of us in the studio and you who are listening create a dialogue that we hope will be of benefit to our friends, our neighbors, and colleagues. I hope you'll stay with us for the next hour and talk of the towns. We know that a child's earliest experiences shape how they grow and learn. We know that healthy communities and a strong economy are based on a vibrant workforce. Investing in early childhood education has clear benefits for tomorrow's workforce and the state as a whole. And today we're glad to welcome some folks from Maine Community Foundation who are getting ready to um, for a, a summit on Maine's youngest, building a foundation for the future, um, a, a summit coming up in November. We'll talk more about that with um, the president and CEO of Maine Community Foundation, Steve Rowe. Welcome, Steve. Welcome back. It's good to be here, Ron. Thanks for having us. And also, um, we've got Stephanie Eglinton, um, C- the uh, senior program officer at Maine Community Foundation, and she's on the line with us, I believe, from Portland this morning. Good morning. Good morning, Ron. Uh, Stephanie, why don't we start with you? Tell tell us a little bit about your your, your position, and then we'll go to Steve and, and talk more about uh, his perspective. What's your position with Maine Community Foundation? Sure. As a program uh, officer, I like to think of us as the connectors among philanthropic donors in Maine, nonprofit organizations, and our local communities. We manage many uh, grant programs and scholarship programs at the Community Foundation, and with our new strategic plan that I'm Steve will mention, I'm sure, we are creating plans on important issue areas to the state, always in partnership with others, just to figure out how the Community Foundation can help move these issues forward. And I'm leading the initiative work related to our early childhood goal. Great. We'll come back to you in just a minute. Steve, uh, we had you on about a year ago as you were um, kind of just finishing your year of listening um, uh, to the state of Maine about some of the needs that um, you were seeing expressed and how Maine Community Foundation could address those. Uh, tell us a little bit about what Maine Community Foundation is, and, and I see it as a, as a building both philanthropy but also building strong communities. Uh, that's all right. Well, first of all, again, Ron, thanks for having us today. Uh, the Maine Community Foundation is a public foundation, and that means that the foundation receives gifts from a variety of sources, including individuals, families, corporations, uh, nonprofit agencies, uh, and other foundations, public entities. Uh, the mission, as as was mm. mentioned right before the start of the show, our mission is to work with donors and other partners to improve the quality of life for all Maine people. Mm. And our quality of life is determined by the degree to which we're able to realize the important potential of our lives. 
And the best way to realize that potential is to have strong family support, good health, a quality education, and to live in safe and welcoming communities. Mm -hmm. And the Community Foundation worked with our partners to break down barriers to ensure that all Maine people have access to those kinds of opportunities. Uh, And uh, I know we do promote philanthropy. Uh, The Foundation promotes philanthropy by matching donors and their interest with the real needs in the communities. And the foundation makes grants to those who live and work closest to where the problems uh, and the opportunities are in the communities. Uh, With respect to community building, um, that's an important phrase for us, uh, and it's a large part of what we do. Uh, We promote community building by supporting organizations and programs that recognize and build on the strengths and the assets of the communities throughout Maine. And uh, the Community Foundation's county funds are really the centerpiece of our community building efforts, and I would say the heart of the foundation. Uh, each county fund has a local advisory committee whose members guide grant making in communities throughout that county. Mm. And I know that many of folks who are listening in the, the many counties where WERU uh, uh, reaches um, are, are part of that process. And, yes, they are. Uh, they, they have received grants, and, but also there's probably folks who are listening who are perhaps members of those uh, county co- uh, groups of the councils. Yeah. Um, you um, started your work um, as as uh, president of Maine Community Foundation, listening um, to folks. And um, what was that like? What, what have you? What did you learn in that listening year? And what have you learned in the last year um, about the the state of Maine? Um, given um, you you've known it well as as a member of the legislature and so on. But what what specifically have you uh, picked up um, in the in this year? Well, well, a lot of what I've learned over the past two years, Ron, has really reinforced what I already knew about uh, Maine and that this state is a great place to, to live, to work, and to age. But also uh, Maine people. They're genuine, they're honest, they're hardworking, they're resilient. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my experience in the last couple of years has also reinforced that we face many challenges here in Maine. Uh, and to include our state's demographic makeup, the trends that we see. We, we know on average we have the oldest population among the states, and there's some advantages to that, but there are also some challenges. Uh, we have very few babies born in Maine, only about 35 babies a day, mm-hmm. um, and many are born into poverty and uh, endure other adver- adverse experiences during their uh, early years. Um, we have about 200,000 adults who want and need to increase their educational attainment in Maine. Uh, we have, as you know, significant substance abuse addiction problems uh, um, in, in the state. Uh, and we know that things like racism, sexism, ageism, and other forms of discrimination continue to exist. So uh, there are a lot of challenges, but um, if behind every challenge is an opportunity. Mm. And so uh, these challenges require planning and they re- require action. That's why we've included several in our new strategic plan. Mm. And um, you uh, have hit upon this idea of, of calling people together for some kind of a summit to focus um, interest and activity and, and knowledge on a particular topic. Last time it um, has to do with, with racism. Um, and um, we talked at that time. Now you've hit upon this issue of early childhood education and development. How did you come to, to choose this topic as the as the second well it's one of the five new strategic goal areas uh, early childhood and and the goal is really to make sure that every child in Maine arrives at kindergarten prepared to succeed in school and life we heard this over and over as we were around the state uh, a lot of concern about young children and uh, and and young young parents uh, there's a lot of poverty and other 
other challenges facing uh, young people in the state. And uh, we know that uh, about a third of our children in most school districts arrive at kindergarten developmentally unprepared to succeed. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a problem not just for our children, but also for our, 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 our economy and for our society. And so we felt this was a major issue. Uh, n- not that it hasn't been addressed, but we still have t- a mm-hmm. terrific uh, uh, challenges in this area, uh, not just in rural areas, but in urban areas too. But it's it's a real challenge across the state. Mm. So while it, it comes as a is no surprise, um, what you're, I think what I hear you saying is that we haven't really developed all the systems we need to address this issue over over time into that's, the into the future. No, that's that's correct. Yeah, Stephanie, you, this is your uh, major focus um, in your work. Uh, tell us about how you've come to that work and and uh, why. How would you define it? Well. Um, this is really, you know, you start at the beginning when you want to make a difference. Mm-hmm. And um, when a lot of people have arrived at early childhood development issues by being concerned about graduation rates or mm-hmm. college attainment rates or he, even improving health outcomes. And that just keeps um, people going earlier and earlier and earlier because um, those that start behind often stay behind. And um, the best way to make a difference is really to start as early as you can. Mm. So that notion that um, uh, you can, you can, um, we, we as, as um, um, guests in the studio and listeners and so on, we can imagine um, what it's like for um, young parents um, at that point in, in um, their life and their child's life, they have nothing but hope um, for their child. And yet they don't necessarily have all of the, the supports that would be needed to prepare that child for um, a successful future. That's right. And, you know, it's, it's a tough time for, for young families when they have little kids. And, um, and I think our culture is really that it's kind of the family's role to figure that all out. And, and, and we're trying to change hearts and minds a little bit. And that's part of the goal of this summit, to understand that we all have an interest in making sure that young families and children are thriving because it's, it's really to our all collective benefit. Mm, that notion of going earlier and earlier. We seem to have learned a lot in the last um, 20 years about how young children develop, uh, their brains, their their sense of culture, um, all of those kinds of things that lead to skills that then lead them to a successful life. Um, can you cite any of the background that we're, we're picking up, this kind of the, the science of, of early childhood development, Stephanie? Sure. Well, the science on the development of a baby's brain is really fascinating. Uh, Dr. Brown will discuss this at our upcoming summit. But basically, the neural connections in the brain are occurring at the fastest rate in the, you know, before age three. Um, and, and how the brain gets wired makes a difference. This, it's, like an ar- it's like the architecture of a house that's providing the foundation for future learning. And, and behavior. Mm. And uh, certainly, um, as a relatively new grandparent, I, can, uh, I can't see what's happening in the brain, but I can see what comes out um, of my grandson's mouth. <laughs> he's, he's taking in so much, and he's growing physically. And what you're saying is that the brain is, is using this time, this early time, um, to develop as well. That's absolutely right. And, you know, and when you're interacting with your grandchild, that's just making a huge difference, this what they call serve-and-return relationship between adults and a child. But what we know is that a lot of um, families are not, are not thriving, and it's really a two-generational issue that we have to address because they have found that what they call toxic stress 
in a family can really affect the development of a child. What kinds of things um, contribute to what you're calling toxic stress? So exposure to violence and extreme poverty, neglect, those, those sort of issues. Mm. And, and so you're saying that that is part of, of, of what one generation brings and then that's passed on to the next generation? Yeah, it can be. Mm. And so how do we address some of the causes of toxic stress in our society? What are the things that you're seeing that we could be doing um, as, a, as a society in Maine? Yeah, so the nice thing about this issue is we actually know what babies and toddlers and young children and families need. And it starts from good prenatal care, um, a treatment for addictions, um, uh, interactions with the child in the healthy environment, stable housing, access to nutrition, and, you know, healthy um, education experiences, including high-quality child care. You know, most of the most adults with young children are in the workplace. So um, quality child care has to be part of that equation. Steve, you were saying just before we came on, on air that you've observed some of the trends in terms of um, early childhood um, child care, especially in rural areas. Repeat that if you could. Just what, what trends are you seeing? Well, there's a real problem around both accessibility and affordability, but in, in rural areas around the state, most of the providers, what we call family care providers, they're home-based. Mm. And, and we're hearing that a lot of providers are aging out. In other words, uh, new, new, new people aren't going into the profession because the pay is so low and it's, it's hard. Uh, and consequently, uh, we heard, we were in Franklin County, uh, our board was about uh, a month ago, uh, and we heard from, from providers there that, uh, or, or from some experts there, that young families are moving into the Farmington area just to get child care because it's not available in some rural areas. Uh, so this is real. And um, over two-thirds of, of, of families uh, with young children uh, have include all the adults' work. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, affordable, accessible child care is a critical issue in this state. And uh, it's just not there for a lot of families. So um, that um, has been a private response um, to the issue, individuals choosing to go into child care. And as, as you said, many of them did that probably 20 25 years ago, and they're getting older. They're not finding that kind of um, long-term job satisfaction. They're probably satisfied, but they're certainly not well compensated. Is there a public response as well? Um, what are we seeing in terms of how child early childhood um, care is provided? Well, it's it's been inadequate, mm-hmm. I would say, the public mm-hmm. response, and that's part of why we're having this summit. And and you're going to hear from Jim Clare in a minute. We're we're having uh, there are business leaders. Uh, there are economists, uh, physicians, uh, school, senior school administrators, uh, even university officials are talking about this now, uh, this issue, because this is our feeder system for mm. everything else that happens, mm. uh, for our, our, our K-12 through systems, for our higher ed systems, for the workplace. Uh, we're talking about developing human capital, strong human capital, and it all starts with the early development of, of, of the brain and, and the mm. child's early years. So uh, I think the public response has been inadequate. Part of it is just a lack of understanding of the critical nature of this issue mm. uh, and the fact that we, you know, we'll wait until the child gets five years old and we'll send a yellow bus to pick the child up to take the child to school, free lunch. But before five, it's pretty much, it's a, it's a family issue. Mm-hmm. And, 
And uh, I, we're not saying that we should – we're saying we should support the family. Mm-hmm. This is all about supporting the parents mm. and, and finding out what they need and, and helping them and the child. So uh, we all have a role in this, and I think, as, as Stephanie said, uh, it's in our collective best interest to really focus on this issue. Mm. Stephanie, as you think about the kinds of things that um, w- we all would hope – um, young children would have before they entered kindergarten. What are some of the things that that uh, we ought to be paying attention to? Well, certainly the home environment, and um, as Steve said, making sure parents are supported with the knowledge and skills they need to to raise children, and then um, education environments and interaction with um, ways of learning with books and nature outside, all, all the things we would hope that. That, that our own children and grandchildren would have, so that when they come to kindergarten, it's not really about lear- knowing their ABCs. <laughs> right. That, and that's what we want to stress. Sure. It's not like we're trying to push down learning. Uh-huh. Um, kindergarten readiness is kind of a difficult term, but it, it, it's about having, uh, it's being ready to learn and, and be, having the skills, social skills and emotional skills to be ready to learn. But it's not, it's still about play and um just absorbing, like you said, everything they can absorb at that age and instead that, of having issues that keep them behind. And something about natural curiosity, it seems to me, and that that isn't necessarily um, – it, it, I think that happens, but um, in many cases it's tamped down. Um, kids aren't allowed to be curious and, and to explore on their own. Sure. So the 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 idea for a, for a summit, uh, both of you can respond to that. Um, you've used this kind of um, spotlight approach um, in the past. Um, what are you hoping that will will come from this summit, Stephanie? Well, as I said, we really want to change hearts and minds on this issue, and we want to inspire people to take action. Really, mm-hmm. to be to be advocates for policies and programs that make a difference for families and children. And this is at the community level, but also at the system statewide level that you mentioned. And we also don't want to preach the choir, so to speak. We, we really want to get to the message to those who don't think that little kids are necessarily part of their world mm-hmm. to understand that, in fact, this is really important to everyone. So when you notion, uh, use the word advocate, um, define that a little bit if you could, Stephanie. Sure. I mean, really, um, we need people to be advocates for families, for children to get what they need. And we need people to to literally talk to their leaders in, in state house or in school boards or anywhere where these policies and structures are, are in place that, that need to be improved and, frankly, better funded. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What would you add to that, Steve? Well, Stephanie hit upon one thing is that we're hoping the audience will be sort of a, 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 a what you'd see as a non-typical audience for a presentation about early childhood uh, uh, development. We're, I'm trying to get a lot of business leaders uh, to come, business owners, business leaders to come to this forum, as well as senior education officials. We've got a, a number of superintendents and principals around the state that are coming. Some of the university folks are coming uh, and uh, a number of business leaders this is an important issue to our economy. Mm. It's an important issue to our workforce. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have a lot of people in this state. And as I said, we have about 35 babies born a day. And when we, when we I mean, you're going to hear a, a, a school superintendent talk about how his kindergarten teachers can predict at age five, in many cases, how things are going to go. 
that hurts the, the, the heart. It hurts the head to hear that. So um, this is something we can do something about. And it's, it's, it's not all about public policy. I mean, we, we need to do more, and certainly in terms of, of subsidies for, for child care, in terms of the quality of child care, in terms of paying child care providers more, in terms of the home visiting programs, in terms of education, parenting education. But it's also just in the community supporting young families. Mm. And uh, we're hoping that folks will just start focusing on this in their communities. Uh, I call this, this is, these children are the feeder systems for our schools. Mm. And, and more and more superintendents and principals are, are saying, I'm, I have a vested interest in how the shape of these kids when they show up at kindergarten. Mm. And, uh, and certainly business leaders are saying, we have an interest in this because this is our future workforce and their parents are today's workforce. So it's a collective issue that we ought to all care about, uh, you know. And so th- th- I, I hope this summit, it's on November the 14th mm. from noon to 2.30 in Bangor at the Cross Center. And we think it's going to be a powerful event. Mm. We're tuned, you're, you're tuned to Talk of the Towns this morning. We're talking with Steve Rowe, the president and CEO of Maine Community Foundation, and Stephanie Eglinton, who is the senior program officer for Maine Community Foundation. Uh, one of her responsibilities is to, to focus on early childhood um, development. Um, we'll open up our phone lines in a while. Um, Stephanie, anything to add that you you want to that we've missed as we've talked with you? We're going to go on to talk with, with uh, Marcia Sloan of Families futures, family futures down east in a few minutes, but anything that you'd like to add before we let you go? I just want to thank you, Ron, and really encourage people to come to the summit and um, invite others to come to the summit, and I'm really um, glad that on your program today you, you're getting the voice of a provider and also um, a business leader. That's just terrific. Mm, great. Thanks so much for your work, uh, uh, Stephanie, and, and we'll hope to see you again on Talk of the Towns. Thank you. Um, Steve, this, this seems like a, an issue that it, people have easily put off. In other words, they're, they're not dealing with the workforce right now. They're saying, oh, we'll, we'll deal with that later. And so it's a kind of a pushing off of, of something, as you say, the feeder system. Mm-hmm. How, do, how do we get people to think a little longer range <laughs> in, our, in our economic system or our social system? I think some of this is a lack of understanding about the importance mm. of what happens in a child's early years. You know, Stephanie hit upon this. The architecture of the brain is being developed. You know, genetics drive, drives sort of the hardware of the brain, and some of the software is uploaded when a baby's born. Mm-hmm. But guess what? The programmers are the adults in that child's life, and that child is watching and listening every day. And if that child is in a world of, of stress... Uh, and and there are other you know uh, adverse experiences. It's going to affect the way that the brain develops, the way the the, the, the neural connections are made. Mm. And you know Stephanie talked about the the cognitive, the emotional, the social development. That's key mm. to being able to be successful in school and successful in life. And that's all developed early. Mm. Uh, a lot of brain development is done when the child reaches kindergarten. Mm-hmm. And I just think there's a fundamental lack of awareness of that and understanding. And so hopefully as more people, I know Jim Clare's coming on and other, other business leaders work with Jim, you know, they understand this. Mm-hmm. And once you understand it, you say, that's where we ought to be putting some focus because if we get that right, mm-hmm. a lot of other things will fall into place. I remember um, having to uh, appear before the county commissioners in Hancock County to support the local 
Hancock County Extension budget. And, you know, the sheriff was there um, asking for money, and that was often dealing with people who were incarcerated or, or um, dealing with the law. And we were there talking about the 4-H program, saying, look, you've got an alternative. You can spend money for these kinds of things, or you can spend it later. You're saying some of the same things. Yeah, absolutely right. Great. Marcia Stone is with us. Uh, Sloan is with us now. Um, she's with Family Futures Down East at, in the Machias area. Welcome to Talk of the Towns, Marcia. Thank you. Tell us Thank a little bit. Of, <laughs> I'm so glad you're here. Um, and I know Charles Rutledge from some other work, so um, he would be happy that you're on Talk of the Towns as well. <laughs> um, tell us a little bit about yourself, um, how you got into this work, and what Family Futures Down East is. Great. Um, well, Family Futures Down East is a two-generational approach to, um, to education and workforce development for low-income parents in Washington County. Um, and it's a collaborative of um, seven different Washington County-based organizations that, um, that have over many years uh, worked to, uh, to really address um, family poverty and how to uh, raise our parents up out of parent uh, poverty um, in Washington County. I actually, I'm new to Washington County. I, I moved here to work on this project um, from rural Alaska. So, so my experiences in delivering um, these types of programs in um, working with families in real rural communities and, and looking at the barriers that, um, that are real unique to um, to places where you don't have a lot of services. And, um, and to have seven organizations come together and say, this is really important, we all need to be working together, that seems quite remarkable. It, it really is, and it's really a unique approach to it. Um, and the partners come from such diverse spheres. So um, you, you mentioned Charles Rutledge. He's the executive director for the Sunrise County Economic Council, um, and that's our backbone agency um, for this project. Um, and so, um, you know, you have an economic council in Washington County who, who is saying, you know, poverty and workforce development um, is tied to early childhood outcomes, and we really need to be involved. Um, and, and then, you know, you have the, coll- the community college and the university who's saying we need an educated workforce and we need parents to succeed. Um, and then you have an organization like Down East Community Partners, which is our Head Start provider for Washington County, who said, you know, we have the expertise and the experience working with young children. Um, how do we work with whole families? Um, so, um, so it really is, you know, the um, the whole community coming together to address this. And you're working um, directly with families. What are the outcomes that you're hoping for um, as you work with a, a family? And you say it's, it's, this is a two-generational approach. Explain that a little bit, please. Sure. So um, so we have uh, 45 families in our program now, and um, we have parents who are attending a program at either the community college or the University of Maine at Machias. Um, at the same time, their children are attending high-quality early education programs that are co-located on the campus. Hmm. We're very fortunate that we have um, we have early childhood education centers on our campuses. Um, but this program takes place in the evening because the, uh, most of these low-income parents are working during the day, 
um, but they want to, they know that a two or four year degree um, is going to raise them up out of poverty and be able to get the jobs in Washington County that pay a family sustaining wage. Mm. So this notion that um, both um, uh, children and parents are kind of in an educational setting, a school kind of setting, um, and and how are parents reacting to to that to get that kind of um, kind of two two level support? Parents are really thrilled. One of the things that we heard before this program. Um, started was that um, that they were concerned about what the outcomes would be for their children and um, and most of them had never experienced any kind of um, licensed or um, or center-based child care that they had always either kept their children at home which meant they weren't able to get into the workforce or um, or they used family or some kind of babysitting. Right. Um, and so we really wanted to um, to demonstrate what high-quality early education looked like and how that could change outcomes for their children. And if you, you, you've, you've kind of just getting started, but are you seeing some, some of those outcomes? Are, are parents seeing outcomes with their, with their um, youngsters? They are, and we had 17 parents complete the first year of programming um, this summer um, that are going on. Um, so they finished a 16-credit curriculum that provided a certificate in family studies um, at the University of Maine at Machias. And um, those those 17 families are going on um, for uh, for two- and four-year degrees now, um, and what they have seen has encouraged them to enroll their children in Head Start programs, to um, to go full time to college, and um, be um, supportive of their child being in a full day um, childcare setting, um, which were really new experiences. And we had to build a lot of trust that um, that our center based services were professional, that they were focused on educational outcomes. Um, there's, no, there's no yellow school buses that come <laughs> to pick up kids for Head Start. And so for a family to make that commitment, um, you know, often means they're driving a long distance just to, just to get their child to Head Start. So they really needed to understand what those benefits were. Um, the, the program that they're in um, at the university um, involves several psychology courses that focus on adolescent and family development. So those parents are learning about their children's needs um, at the same time they're enrolled in the program. And so this this two generation, the adults are getting um, educational support um, towards their associate degree or um, a, a terminal type degree, a, a longer term degree, and the the children are getting um, support at the earliest levels. Um, how have the how has the rest of the community um, responded to this? Are they taking interest? Are they supporting this this two two pronged approach? It they really are. Um, you know, some of our other partners in this. Um, include the Department of Labor through the Career Center program. Um, and, and I think they're, they're really excited about that. You know, they're, they're a workforce partner. They want to build our workforce. And we have a lot of jobs in Washington County that are, are um, not being filled because they require those degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, these are families that live here, and they're raising their children here um, 
and um, and they're committed to to raising their families in Washington County. So the you know I think the community we we all recognize the fact that we don't have a lot of children in Maine, mm-hmm. and uh, and that the, these these children are going to be our workforce. But not only that, our their parents um, can be our educated workforce if we if we help support them. And if uh, there are uh, parents listening to this um, show who don't have a similar type program, and I think yours is fairly unique, um, what, what's the simplest thing that, that parents could be thinking about in terms of their um, youngsters' development? What would, you, what would you advise them? So, you know, the things that we always, because our parents also work on other children's goals outside of the center-based um, education uh-huh. um, you know we always we always tell our parents to, to trust their experience um, but to, to take opportunities that come along um, to um, you know one of one of the key components of our program is that uh, we all sit down to dinner in the children's uh, in the child care center um, and have a family dinner and that's such a important time for families um, and uh, that, and I think the time they take at the end of the night to to read with their children um, are just things that that families can really um, really do. But um, you know the um, the need for, and I think Steve spoke about this, the need for more um, professional level licensed uh, childcare providers is is so important. Um, in our communities. Mm. Uh, so, Marcia, you're describing in in the eating together and the reading together um, two really essential aspects of helping young children develop. The eating together is is both about food and and uh, the conversation that happens there, the interaction, and the reading is is kind of um, introducing children to um, something different outside of their own experience. Perhaps um, seems like really sound advice for any any parent. Yeah, and um, you know, we certainly um, at the at our centers, we we measure them through you know very um, researched outcomes <laughs> around social emotional development um, and language and literacy. But but they really are just kind of core essentials for um, for families um, that you can do at home. That you know doesn't have to be center based. When we talk about children being kindergarten ready, I mean some of it is learning to sit in your seat and um, socialize with um, with other children and, and adults and to um, understand those behaviors and when things are appropriate. And that's really something you can do at dinner time. That's great. Uh, Stephanie, um, excuse me, Marcia, um, tell us how people would learn more about uh, families, uh, Family Futures Down East. Is there a website or a, or a, a description somewhere that they can uh, contact you? Sure. There, um, there is our website, and it's familyfuturesdowneast.org, um, um, and we're based at the Sunrise County Economic um, Council in Machias. Um, the program's for Washington County families, so um, anyone living in, um, in our service area. And a, a big part of what we do is work on breaking down barriers. So a lot of times families say, I, I don't have a way to get to school, or I don't... So we have coaches that will work with families to to figure out, um, you know, how to how to get through all of those those barriers um, 
so that they can focus on their education and their children's education. Wonderful. Thanks so much for being with us, and let's make a a date to talk with you in a year or so and, and find out how the program is going. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Marcia Sloan is, is the director of Family Futures Down East um, out of the Machias area. Um, you can contact the Sunrise County Economic Council to, to learn a little bit more, and there's a website, familyfuturesdowneast.org. Um, we're going to turn to the business um, side of things in just a minute, um, uh, Steve, but any reflections on, on Marcia's uh, comments here before we go to talk with uh, Jim? I just want to thank Marcia and, and all the others who who. who work not only hurt agency but in general with uh, with young parents and, and young children uh, Marsha mentioned that the uh, the profession of early childhood uh, education uh, development is undervalued uh, people tend it, to t- t- think of this as babysitting service they do and, yeah. and our public school teachers in many many places make about twice what the the people who work in early education make mm-hmm. usually there are uh, there's no defined benefit plan. There's no often uh, other benefits aren't there. Uh, it's it's hard, and uh, we should really appreciate those people who go into this mm. because it is. A, and I think one of the reasons it's undervalued is because we don't understand or appreciate the value of early childhood development. If we did. Uh, we would things would be different. We'd 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 kind of reverse the the pay scale, wouldn't we? Well, and, we'd be saying well, these people probably deserve the highest pay because they have the future in our hands. I think we might. I I don't think people realize that early childhood development is a unique profession in and of itself, and these educators are special people and they're special training. So uh, that's that's really important. And uh, so uh, the only other thing I'd say, head start. You know, we in this we only only about one third of Families who are eligible for Head Start services get them. I mean, that's nationally in this state. It's around. It's about that same. Uh, we, we just we just don't appreciate the value mm. of of early childhood development. So uh, I think that's it. And so we need to we need to <laughs> do better. Right. You're tuned to Talk of the Towns here on WERU. We're talking with Steve Rowe, who is president and CEO of Maine Community Foundation, as they, they get ready for um, a summit on early childhood development um, at the Cross Center in Bangor on November 14th. Um, now we're going to hear from a business perspective, and we welcome Jim Clare. Jim is part of the leadership team for Maine Early Learning Investment Group. Welcome to Talk of the Towns, Jim. Thanks, Ron. It's it's a pleasure to be on, and and thank you to uh, Steve and Stephanie from Marsha for their their discussion so far. It's been fascinating to listen in. Great, and I understand you and Steve uh, know each other from your your time in Augusta in the in the kind of the legislative uh, research area. Yes, yeah, I was on the nonpartisan staff for a while and, and had the pleasure of working with Steve when he was a legislator and including the Speaker of the House. Hi, Steve. <laughs> hey, Jim. Um, Jim, what's the uh, main early learning investment group? It sounds uh, very impressive. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a, it's a group of uh, business leaders that team to understand the importance of early childhood initiatives. Uh, we convened about five years ago, a little over five years ago, and it was the uh, the byproduct of a governor's uh, convened uh, round business roundtable on early childhood investment. Um, I'm going back to the Governor Baldacci administration, uh-huh. and they convened a number of people like me, um, business people, uh, who pro- it's probably fair to say understood early childhood at some level, but didn't understand it fully enough in that uh, our, our objective was to understand, uh, study, and then come to some understanding and recommendations to uh, the uh, 
the governor and the legislature about where we are as a state with early childhood. And one of our recommendations uh, by the time that study was done, Ron, was that not only did there need to be more investment in early childhood, but that the private sector needed to embrace early childhood initiatives more. And that led to a number of us forming the main early learning assessment group about five years ago. It's, there are 10 companies represented right now uh, on, the, on the main early learning investment group. We are distributed from southern Maine to northern Maine. Um, there's some very impressive companies there, Gorham Savings Bank and MMG Insurance and Read and Read. And I could quickly go through the list if you'd like, but um, people can also visit us on uh, our website, which is uh, www.music.com. Dot org. You can learn an awful lot more about what we're trying to do. Great. And we'll, we'll try to repeat that uh, website in a, in a moment. But what, what convinced you? What was the, the moment when you really got this, this picture that the investing in early childhood um, made a difference to main businesses? That, that's a great question, Ron, because I, I'm a father. <laughs> uh, I'm a husband. I have two children with my wife. And, you know, you'd like to think that you're doing a good job. Um, and I think for some people, they, they come more naturally to understand the social side of this and maybe the political side. And for me, as uh, on that business roundtable and then continuing this work through the main early learning investment group, I really came with my colleagues to understand that this was an economic imperative and it was science driven. It's real outcomes based work that we, you know, when you understand that in the early years, zero to three, that 85 percent of brain development is occurring. That's a, that's a compelling scientific fact. And then when I ran a company, Google Health Systems in Augusta, um, we've since sold that company to a much larger firm out of Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I had 300 employees, 200 of whom were here in, in Maine. And among the various levels of talent that you need to run a company that, was, that had a nationwide presence or our work here in Maine, we knew that, there, that some people weren't coming in the door with all of the requisite skills. And, you know, you spend a certain amount of time and money investing in those people, which is always a wise investment. But it occurred to many of us that, you know, we, we really needed to make sure that children were prepared to learn at that earliest stage. Not because they, as I, I think I heard Stephanie say earlier, that they had to know their ABCs by the time they were two or something, but they were prepared to learn mm-hmm. that, the, that the network of their brain was open and receptive and it was conducive to a, a, a job of lifelong learning, and uh, we've kind of really focused in on that science and the economic imperatives, and we, <laughs> we wind up talking to our fellow business people about why they, too, need to get involved in an effort like this. And we have taken on the role of advocating with uh, public officials so that they understand how important this is to the long-term economic health and viability of Maine's economy going forward. Mm. And it seems like, um, again, you're you're citing the science and the the kind of the evidence from the business community, and yet um, we've known about some of this for a good twenty years, um, at least in the last ten years. Um, how what do you think are some of the barriers to to greater action around this this topic? Uh, I, I think that in many ways we've made a lot of progress, Ron, but, you know, in a typical <laughs> business sense for maybe especially a person like me, I can get impatient with the pace of, of change. And, uh, you know, I guess maybe I'm a good example that seven or eight years ago, I didn't really think this was, quote, unquote, my issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I quickly learned that it, that it was. And I think we need to continue to work on getting more people in the business community 
uh, who, if they want to continue to run their businesses for Maine, which we um, not want that to happen, but we want them to grow and we want to attract more business, that we have to get out of the mindset that the world is as it was 10 or 20 or 30 plus years ago. The world's changing dramatically. It's a highly competitive place. We need the best possible workers. We're not asking for one, two, and three-year-olds to, to take on that burden. <laughs> right. We simply want them to, to have the foundation by which they can have a very successful life here. And you're, and you're thinking, you know, 15 or 20 years in, in, in the future, and that's sometimes hard for people who are trying to, to make the payroll next week. Yeah, but that having been said, Ron, one of the things that we did at Mulek, um was uh, cooperated in a, an economic study. We wanted to have... Uh, you know, economic analysis done by one thing, uh, Professor Trostel at the University of Maine, that proves that the uh, imperative is there in that if, if you can access the report from our website again, but it's a 7.5% return on investment. I mean, most, most business people, investment-minded people would say, that's pretty darn good. I mean, it's not 50%. <laughs> Seven and a half percent is a very good ROI. Sure. Well, Jim, thanks so much for joining us here on uh, Talk of the Towns. Any any last thoughts um, before we let you go? Well, I, I'd recommend that people uh, visit us on, on our, our website. I just want to mention one other thing briefly, Ron. We decided to invest uh, some some money that we've raised uh, with something called the Elevate Maine Somerset County Project which is a partnership between Educare, Central Maine, if you know it, in Waterville, which is a great physical and programmatic uh, uh, place working on early childhood issues. And we're extending that to Somerset County, where putting up money with them, where our mouth is and helping fund this initiative. Somerset County is a, is a, a, a very uh, much an outlier in terms of education attainment and income levels, and, and we're... we're um, helping fund uh, a, a, a quality early childhood initiative uh, for that location with many kids being uh, um, tutored uh, uh, within the system, parents being supported, uh, providers being helped to get to a higher level of quality. And uh, and people can also read about that on our website. Great. And that's uh, the main early learning investment group, and you have a website for that. Yes, we do. Thanks, Jim. Yep. Thanks for joining us here on Talk of the Towns. We'll let you Thank go. You, and uh, um, we still have Steve Rowe here in the studio, but we invite your calls as well. Perhaps you've got some questions um, or some observations about the whole topic of investing in children to build our future workforce, our economy here in Maine and, and communities in Maine. Give us a call, one 866 6259378 or locally 4690500 uh, to participate in this morning's talk of the towns. Uh, Steve this um, business perspective that Jim Clare has just shared um, is again very compelling. Um, there's no there's no lack of of enthusiasm um, and and it seems like their investment in Somerset and and Franklin counties is another experiment to say how can we do this well? How can we bring people together like in Washington County with Family Futures Down East. No, ab- absolutely. And it's it's not like we don't know what to do, Ron. Mm-hmm. We do know what to do. We just need to, to put more uh, more resources in play. And the ROI is tremendous. I mean, right now in our schools, I, I believe it's over around 14, 15 percent of our students are in special education. 
there are pediatric neurologists who will say if we really focused on this issue, we could reduce that number down below 5% because a lot of, a lot of uh, issues are, are induced by a child's early environment. Uh, you know, other, other things we see, uh, a lack of preparedness to work. We see substance abuse addiction. We see domestic violence. We see a lot of things that could be prevented if we really focused early on. So it's great to have people, a business leader like Jim Clare. I mean, he ran a, a large company. He mentioned the other CEOs involved. They're CEOs of, of banks, of insurance companies, of construction companies, of communication companies. Uh, these are people who understand this is an economic issue, and I just hope more more, more CEOs join uh, this group and, and really start focusing on this. Let's take a call from Cranberry Isles this morning. Uh, Lori, welcome to Talk of the Towns. Go ahead with your question or comment. Oh, thank you very much, and hi to Steve Rowe. I ran for office uh, in 2008, and I remember him very well. He was very supportive. And um, my question is, um, actually, my, my thought is that uh, as having raised three children of my own, that I often felt that uh, people's um, wanting improvements uh, for families seemed to be people talking at families and, and stressed stress providers on how they could do things better hmm. and I think a lot of what needs to happen is people need to put themselves in in situations where they're in the uh, family and what really will help those providers for example um, coming up you know Christmas is coming up and I think some help around the idea of what people can do to support families uh, with with programs you know helping Santa type things and other programs to to think about what really will help parents be better uh, providers with their children and more supportive of their children's education um, versus the kinds of toys they don't really need. Um, I think that there could be an education gap that's filled in there with the community saying, here's some good ideas, here's what we've heard from parents that they're looking for. And that's just one way of looking at things from another perspective, but the idea to gain some sensitivity on how these ideas are getting received inside you know, working homes, working family homes, where it's very much a situation where where at dinner time or at bedtime are some of the fewer times when when parents actually have any time to themselves and talking to each other. And the smartphone addiction phenomenon is is huge. But um, you know, all those sorts of things factor in. So this notion that um, rather than kind of talking at families, you really need to sit with them. <laughs> understand their their um, circumstances and then together um, talk about what they want for their children. Right, and then finding ways to bridge that gap to the larger community, uh, education outward about what families really, you know, family-sourced ideas mm-hmm. uh, about what can be done to make mm-hmm. things better. Great. Lori, thanks so much for your call this morning. Um, re- response, Steve? Anything? Oh, I, I, I agree. I, I, listen, I, I hope this isn't seen as we're, we're not judging parents. I've never met a parent who didn't want his or her child to do well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just some parents have more tools in their parenting box, and that mm-hmm. may be because they had better role models as parents. It may be because of the poverty. It may be because of other stressors. But, you know, parents want their children to do well, and so we shouldn't just judge them. Mm. We should listen to them and support them. So I, I, she said it very well. Laurie said it very well. Thank you, Laurie. one 9378 if you'd like to participate. We have Ken on the line from Goolsboro. Go ahead with your question or comment, please. Ken. Yes, hi. I'm wondering, what do we know about putting uh, seniors to work as volunteers in uh, early childhood daycare? What a great, 
great question. We'll see if uh, Steve knows and perhaps there's listeners who um, have some response to that. But thanks so much for your call, Ken. Well, that is going on in certain places uh, around the country and even here in Maine on a volunteer basis. Uh, and indeed, I heard recently about a, a proposal, and I forget where, to build a new center, which would be uh, it would be a residential care facility for seniors and an early childhood development facility so that there could be uh, the, the two groups mm-hmm. could work together. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a great idea. Uh, you know, we're aging as a state. Uh, aging is another issue. We can see that as a positive because people are staying in the workforce longer. They're healthier. They want to do things. So, I, you know, there, there's we, sh- we should continue to focus on that mm. for sure. But that notion that, um, that there are elders in our community who have perhaps some time yes. and some experience um, just being with young young children, youngest children, um, that's a real resource. Well, that's that absolutely is a resource. And also mentoring for parents, I think, mm. too. There are a lot of seniors who have time. And, and you know, a lot of young a lot of young parents, I'm, I'm not saying some, they didn't have great role models themselves. Mm-hmm. And a lot, a lot of times nowadays, you know, the, the, the parents of the young children are not living in the community where they have grandparent support. I mean, their parents, maternal, pater- they're living in a different place. So just, just to, to be mentors and, and be there for young parents, I think there are a lot of things that, that old, older people can do to really help. Mm. Thanks again for that phone call. Um, that um, Those listeners called one 625 9378 as we continue our conversation about investing in children that builds uh, our future workforce, our economy, and our community. Here with, with us in the studio is Steve Rowe, President and CEO of Maine Community Foundation. Um, so as we think about the, the summit, you're hoping to uh, a wide variety of people come together for a conversation about about uh, what the current status is and then what we do about it. Absolutely, uh, and, and that's it, a wide variety of people. Again, this is a, it's, it's a summit where, again, we're hoping to attract a, a diverse audience, a lot of for-profit business leaders, non-profit business leaders, uh, senior education officials, uh, uh, experts in the early childhood field, uh, you know, uh, public policymakers, legislators, member of the, members of the executive branch, uh, this is simply to raise the issue, and I believe if 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 you if you come to this event, you will walk away with more information than you had, and I hope you'll walk away inspired uh, to take action uh, to support young families, because uh, that's that's really so important. Um, something that Marcia said earlier was about uh, the the workers themselves, and I do hope if people who are listening uh, talk to a childcare uh, um, educator. Uh, talk to a kindergarten teacher, ask them about what they're seeing, ask them about what they believe is needed. Uh, there's a professionals, and, and they know. Talk to, Marcia said, talk to young parents. And, and Lori said, listen to, mm-hmm. you know, I think we often, we, we don't listen enough. And uh, uh, I've talked to a lot of kindergarten teachers around the state, and you kind of learn a lot from kindergarten teachers about what's going on mm-hmm. with young people. Mm-hmm. And I encourage business leaders to go and talk to kindergarten teachers, go and visit uh, child care centers uh, and, and also home-based child care 
uh, agencies and just listen mm. and, and find out firsthand what's going on. Mm-hmm. And that notion of, of listening as the first response um, then perhaps leads to, oh, what can we do together um, to, to solve some of the problems? Absolutely. And this notion that um, you're building not only good businesses but communities. Yes. Um, say one more word about that as, as you kind of hope for the future as we wrap up the, the program. What's, what's the impact that you could imagine for communities as a whole? Well, we've got challenges. I mean, uh, com- communities are communities of people, and we need to make sure that we are able to get along, uh, that we work together, uh, that we have thriving economies, and all of this is dependent upon having healthy, active people. Mm. And so at you know, our most important resource, any, any business in the state, Ron, if you ask what's your most important resource, they're not going to say uh, – uh, you know, energy costs, they're not, they're going to say it's our human capital, it's our people. Mm-hmm. And that's, and, and, you know, we have some challenges in, in the human capital uh, area here in the state. And so um, my hope for communities are that, that communities will embrace everyone in the community, whether they're old, whether they're young, whether they're an immigrant, whether they were born here, we have to reach out and, and realize we're all in this together. Mm. And uh, it, it's, and it's, 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 requires collective action. So mm. but thank you, Ron, for Well, thank for you, assistance. and thank you for the support of Maine Community Foundation for this and other programs because uh, the, these conversations, I think, really matter to, to our communities. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. We've come to the end of the hour. Be sure and uh, join us from 10 to 11 on the second Friday of each month for Talk of the Towns. Podcasts of our programs can be found in the archive section of the WERU website. If you've got comments or suggestions for topics, please email us at news at weru.org. And uh, tune in to our companion program, Coastal Conversations with Natalie Springle of University of Maine Sea Grant at 10 to 11 on the fourth Friday of each month. Our theme music is a medley from Coronac on a Balnane House Highland music recording. Thanks to our guests in the studio, Steve Rowe, and he wants me to remind you that the summit um, on building a foundation for the future, Maine's youngest, um, is on November 14th from noon to 2.30 um, in the Cross Center, and you can register um, through Maine Community Foundation, Steve. Is that right? Yes, please go online, uh, maincf.org. Scroll to the bottom of the screen and click on the Invest in Maine Summit Uh, icon and you can sign up uh, register online thanks again steve thanks to our underwriters Uh, thanks to amy brown for engineering our program and stay tuned for on the ring on the wing (laughs) with joel raymond this is ron beard your host for talk of the towns wishing you a good morning